All right, what's going on? Jason Bay here. Welcome to Blissful Prospecting. Uh, in this podcast, I have conversations with top reps, sales leaders, and other experts to teach you how to turn complete strangers into paying customers. Today, we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, pushing against the status quo. And I have our guest, Maria Bras, Director of Sales Development at Revenue.io. Maria, it's good to have you on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm so excited to, for our conversation. Yeah, one of the things we talked about when we first, you know, met is that, uh, you know, I've just seen so much of your LinkedIn content. You've liked or commented on my stuff and vice versa. And uh, we had never met until like two or three weeks ago. So it's uh, it's always weird when that happens. I don't know if you run into that much. Oh, my gosh. I know. I feel like through people's posts like yours, I learned so much from from those posts, you know, multiple times a week that mm -hmm. I feel like I know you. So it was crazy that we actually like haven't physically met. But um, but yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you today. So I always like to ask people, what do you feel like is your sales superpower? What do you feel like you do better than, you know, most sales reps out there or sales leaders out there? Oh, yeah, this is a this is a little bit of a tough one. So I would say just empathy. I think that, you know, that's obviously something that's always been super important in the sales process and even more so now than ever. And um, I think especially now, too, that you know, at Revenue.io, I sell to revenue leaders and I've been in their shoes before, so I can really understand some of the challenges that they're facing and, um, you know, what they're looking to accomplish and and status quo and, and things of that nature. So, so yeah, I think that empathy has is, is been something that's been big for me because, um, you know, I, I really feel for my prospects and like in the network that we're trying to build. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that. I because I work with another you know company that does something kind of similar to you guys, and it's really cool as a salesperson being able to sell to other salespeople because you're you're totally right. Like you totally get you know what's going on with them. But um, have you always had like empathy like that? Is that something that you had to learn? I like the reason I asked that is that I didn't really learn about empathy until I like went to therapy <laughs> a couple years ago. And I was like, oh, I don't really actually sit and think about the other person much. And it wasn't like I didn't care. I just never really thought about, oh, what's Maria thinking right now? How's she feeling after, you know, that type of thing? How would I feel if I was that? Has that always come sort of naturally to you? Is that something you had to work on? Tell me, tell me more about that. I think that probably is one of the very few sales pieces that ha has come a little bit naturally to me is like putting myself yeah. in their shoes. And there was actually a moment in time um, when I was a sales enablement leader and I was doing mm -hmm. onboarding and, and trying to optimize like what that program looked like at a, at a tech company. And, you know, starting out when I was building the program, we started with about the company, about the product, like what this feature does, what that feature does. And, um, you know, it was great. But then I realized, oh, wow, like some of these conversations that are happening after, you know, right after onboarding don't seem very organic. And like, it doesn't really feel like the salespeople like understand the world of the prospects. And so I was like, wait, yeah. maybe I need to like flip flop this. And so I made the adjustment in the program to start with, okay, let's talk about our ideal buyers. Like, 
What are their roles? What are they experiencing? What's status quo for them? How do they get paid? Why might they get fired? Who do they report to? All of these like these questions and like had them do exercises where they looked at job descriptions and we interviewed friends of mine that, you know, were selling into and, and asked them questions and that better understanding of prospects just led to way better, more organic conversations over the phone, better discovery questions. They were more curious. And um, I think it was because they had more empathy. Yeah. Interesting. So that was, it sounds kind of instinctual to you to be like, Hey, like we're not really having organic conversations that talk about the other person, you know, very much. Um, so where does that come from for you? Like, did you learn, where did you do that? Like, cause your first sales job we talked about was at Nordstrom, right? Like, were you like yeah. this at Nordstrom? Were you thinking about what it was like to, I'm just curious, like, just to unpack a little bit about like where that comes from for you. Where do you, what do you think, where do you think it comes from? That could be a good idea. You know, I've never really thought about it, but it could, it could come from Nordstrom. Um, you know, I, I shared with you the story of, of working at Nordstrom at my internship, I thought I wanted to get into fashion merchan merchandising and mm -hmm. ended up on the sales floor and really liked, enjoyed like the connections that I made with, you know, shoppers, like while I was there more so than like the visual aspects that I went into that internship for. Um, and, and I think it was, there was like one day that um, someone from like the deaf community came in and they you know, we're looking, they were shopping and there was just kind of like a huge communication barrier um, because they needed help. And, you know, in in high school, I instead of a foreign language, I took American Sign Language. I took it in college as well. Yeah. So ended up being like pretty, pretty fluent and in sign language and was able to help that person. And like it like it felt it was just really rewarding to me and really fulfilling to me because I was able and I think at that point I was able to understand their perspective of how frustrating that like communication barrier might be when you're shopping for something important. Um, and I was able to put that myself in their shoes and like that led to hopefully a great experience for them, but definitely a great experience for me, um, like working with that person. And they referred, you know, more of their friends and more people from that community because I could easily communicate with them and and, you know, help them. I guess I wouldn't say like necessarily reach their goals, but, but find what they're looking for yeah. um, and, and what they set out to do. It sounds like a big part of your sales approach is like, you just genuinely care <laughs> for the people yeah. that you're, that, yeah. I know and that I sounds that's... really obvious, but how many reps have you seen that kind of don't, they don't really think about that? Yeah. I think that became more important to me too. Like as I've grown in my career and like I've sold a bunch of random things that like I wasn't yeah. super passionate about, especially early on in my career, just because the opportunity presented itself. And now, you know, mm -hmm. now that I've had a couple of years under my belt selling and working for various tech companies, um, it became more and more important to really believe in what I'm selling and like, you know, what I'm associating my name with and um, and the prospects that I'm selling into. Um, like to give you an example, like I used to sell into the cybersecurity space, like super interesting. Um, I was selling into chief information security officers. Personally, not most of those conversations, I didn't have a lot in common with those people. And it was, I think it was so difficult for me because I didn't have that understanding of their world and was passionate about very different things. And so as I shifted into selling tech that like, 
I understand more. I understand their prospects day more. It just became a little bit easier and more fun for me. So, so yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's such an underrated thing that you bring up because, uh, I don't know. I, my first sales job was selling house painting services. You know what I mean? <laughs> like in college, but I was really excited about like making someone's home look like prettier, you know what I mean? And it, or, or updating the colors or, you know, maybe it was peeling and like protecting, you know, their home or whatever. But uh, yeah, having a natural passion for interacting with the people that you do, it's like, it's just something that you don't have to fake. You know what I mean? Um, I think it's really, really underrated. Yeah. And it's, and it's almost come become like a hobby as I'm sure I know that you're super passionate about like helping salespeople grow and um, helping them be more effective too. But like, it's almost become, become a hobby. Like in my spare time when I'm walking my dog or like, you know, strolling with my, my infant son, like on our, our walks on the weekends, like I listen to your podcast, I listen to 30 minutes of president's club and like, it's almost yeah. like a hobby because I care about these people. I want to be better at my craft for myself, but also for prospects and my team. Um, and also mm. just think it's interesting. So I think once those, those different areas like align, well, uh, you're just really set up for success. Yeah. How do you approach, cause this would be kind of a good segue into, you know, the topic for today of pushing against the status quo. It sounds like a really big part of that. The first step would just be like, you need to know the prospects, you know, that you're reaching out to for someone listening that maybe doesn't have, you know, a sales leader like yourself, that's like focused on that, you know, and is focused on enabling your reps around that. What are some of the things that you've done or that you would recommend for someone to like really get to know their prospect or to sit in the seat, you know, of the, the people that they're prospecting to? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, and something that I'm thinking about now too, like I lead an SDR team and, um, you know, they're brand new to this space. So it's like, how do we get them up to speed as quickly as possible on like what's face, what sales leaders are facing in their day to day. And so I think a really great way to do that is, is to be part of communities that your prospects are part of, not necessarily to like sell, um, for sure. Um, but just like learn from them, like learn the voice of, of the customer in that way, like learn what they're talking about, what their challenges that they're facing. Uh, I think that's just a really great way to just like learn from the community in, in that aspect and just make genuine connections with the sole purpose of, of learning and then also sharing what you've learned with them. Um, so I think that's one great place. And then also figure out what podcasts do my prospects listen to? What books are they reading? Um, listen to those same podcasts, listen to re read those same books um, in your spare time. I think that's just that to me, that's so much even so much more important to, to really understand versus even like necessarily all the features and things of what your product does. Um, because it's just going to click a lot more. Um, so yeah, so podcasts that they're listening to join different communities. And I think like, as you come up with these conversations, you listen to conversations of your peers, you know, write down some light bulb moments of, of challenges that you heard on real calls, how like the lingo that they've used when they talked about these problems or these goals that they've had and make like a little lingo library for yourself so that you're able to speak the same language as them. Um, and also like look at job postings uh, for your ideal, you know, customer titles, look that up on, on LinkedIn to see like what they're hiring for, what education background is needed, 
um, and, you know, go to events. There's, there's lots of different ways to do it, but that's, that's some of how I've learned. Yeah. I love that. The, uh, you know, creating a library of things is interesting too, because it's, it helps in so many different ways. You know, do you have specific keywords and things that your prospects use? It allows you to also, you know, when you're researching a prospect to do account research or looking through a 10K or a quarterly report, when you have different keywords and things that you can look for, it makes the search go way faster. So you're not pouring through a, you know, 80 page 10K. You could just do oh, a little yeah. command F, <laughs> you know, type of thing. Uh, I think the, the job postings, what do you look for? Cause I think this is a really underrated place to look for things. What are you looking for in the job posting that would be helpful? Yeah, I think just like, oh, you'd be, I mean, I was really surprised when I looked at job postings and you would see so much too about like what the company is focused on, right? If they're hiring, they're mm -hmm. growing a certain role that gives a lot of indication into um, what they value, what they're investing in as a company. Um, so like that's a trigger there for me if they're hiring into the role that I sell to, but also like in the job responsibilities, just to understand like what does their day look like? Um, and and I think that's really important too. And just what their expertise is, like the in the in the job requirements, it should stay, you know, any sort of tech that they should have experience with. You can really get a lot of information from those job postings and learn about not only like the type of people that they're looking for and, and what they're required to do, but also like maybe tech that they're already using or initiatives that they have. Um, I know like, yeah, like they, they might say that they're growing the team, like doubling the sales team. And so that's why they're hiring a sales enablement person. Yeah. Uh, like that's really valuable intel to have. And you can use that to personalize your communication to that entire account. Yeah, I love that. The the tech stack thing is really interesting because I work with a lot of companies that sell into very technical roles, you know, um, or like a learning management system, for example, you know, if you are able to point out the specific coding languages that their team uses, that's a really great, you know, way to cater an email and to, you know, kind of personalize it. So, okay. Oh, yeah. So step number one, we need to understand our prospects. We have a list of things that we can do. We can join communities, podcast books, job postings. Uh, we can attend events. Let's talk about the insights part of this. So pushing against the status quo, we need to have something insightful, you know, compelling to share. Um, how do we find insights? I think that's always the challenge that people have, especially if the company doesn't, you know, kind of provide it for you. But what is, you know, why are insights important? And what are some examples of, of insights or ways that we could find insights. For sure. So to answer your question, like, why are they important, right? Um, I think that whenever you're starting a conversation, especially in like a cold call or a cold email, like you should lead with insights or challenges um, from that context that you understand about that persona, from those books that you read or the, aud the podcasts or job descriptions, right? So um, when you're leading with those those insights, I think that, you know, salespeople, we need to think about how can I make every interaction with my prospect a good use of their time, right? We're interrupting their day, mm -hmm. yes, but like how could we make that a good experience? How can we teach them something maybe from that initial cold call um, or from that email um, or get them to question, hey, like could this, could my team be doing this better or um, 
maybe there's a new way to be to approach this challenge that I'm having that I don't know about that my peers do. Um, and so if you're able to like give that insight, even if you are super junior and you're calling a C-level executive, like you speak with, say you speak with 30 CROs uh, a month and you're a um, you're an SDR, you have some valuable information, I'm sure that you've learned from all those conversations with CROs. So like, you should be able to feel like you can hold your own in that conversation. So I think number one, like insights, it, it makes you feel more confident going into that conversation of like, hmm, I have some, some, some value to give. Um, but also, yeah, it just, it just makes for a good interaction. The second part of that question, like, where can you find those insights? So like published reports and things like for me, since since we sell to sales leaders, like the LinkedIn state of sales report, lots of insights there. Um, I also just like I don't like to get too into the weeds with stats, but that's something that I look for too. like say you sell like a sequencing tool or or call coaching, um, cold call, like just Googling cold call stats and there'll be 20,000 different articles and stuff written from different studies that you could link to. I go down rabbit holes with, with that sort of thing. But, um, but yeah, I think that leading with insights to like, you know, shine light onto a potential problem or a new way of addressing that problem is a great way to, to start a conversation and, and perk their ears, even if they aren't in market yet. Right. Because 99% of the people that we're cold calling or that we're sending LinkedIn connection requests to aren't looking for a solution, right? Like they're good with status quo. So it's really important that we lead with those insights to start more conversations instead of just getting lucky. Yeah. What's a, you guys have a really cool one that you use at Revenue. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. So this there is might be a, a couple actually that you guys use, favorite. but. Yeah, there are there are a ton. Um, so one of the main like personas that we sell into is, is sales enablement, which is my background, right? Because we provide like a proactive call coaching tool um, that's a little bit different than like conversation intelligence. It like happens in the moment um, that your reps are on the phone. Like it uses AI to like pull out different pieces of it. Maybe it's an objection. It will give them pull up like notes about how that sales rep can address that objection. Just so like they're continuing to practice and like you're reinforcing what you're coaching, what you're teaching and training. So one of the stats we use to like uncover a potential pain in that is over 80% of new information that adults, salespeople learn um, in training is forgotten in the first 90 days. So that can shine light on a huge problem that sales ne sales enablement leaders might face or sales leaders might face in general of investing a lot of time in training, a lot of time, money, effort um, in, in training up their reps, all for that information to be forgotten just because it's so much to learn in such a short amount of time. So like this is a new way of approaching that potential problem that they have. Yeah. So if I'm understanding the structure here correctly, it's I have this insight that has some sort of compelling data that talks about why the problem is happening. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what so kind I, of dog do you have, by the way? What kind uh, of dog do you have? <laughs> I have a whole pack, Jason. I've got yeah. a golden retriever <laughs> who's eight years old and he's 
the sweetest, goofiest dog, but he just goes ham, as you can hear, like if the mailman walks by. I also have a German Shepherd. Um, she's pretty oh, noisy, wow. too. She likes to be heard on podcasts. And then I also have a four-month-old infant baby, and, and he likes to make appearances, too. So if you hear them <laughs> throughout. That's awesome. We have a you big like crew. big dogs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we have a toy poodle. His name's Pepe. He's like 13 pounds, but he's a, he's a barker, oh. especially anytime someone knocks on the door or anything like that. But, um, so impact, uh, and insights. So the structure, it sounds like is I'm going to find something compelling, ideally third party. And it's going to yes. talk about a challenge that this person is likely having, but you're going to offer a different kind of spin on it. Cause I relate a lot with this challenge too, because I, tr I train, you know, salespeople, right? So this retention issue, that's a question I always ask people, you know, how do you, you know, a lot of people call it pull through, you know, how do you make sure that reps retain what they learn in onboarding and the trainings that you're running? You know, what do you have in place for that? And I'm really trying to get them to talk about their coaching cadence, tools they might use like revenue, you know, that sort of thing. So am I understanding that framework, you know, kind of correctly? It's like, hey, compelling stat to talk about why the problem's happening. And you're essentially offering your different twist on how to sort of fix this problem. Yeah. Absolutely. You articulated that so well. That's that's you know what I wanted to communicate for sure. It's just like a different approach to a problem that a lot of their peers are are facing and and that third party data can like shine light on that potential problem. And then pairing it like you did with a question around how they're handling that, if that's a focus for them as well, um, can really like just open up the dialogue for a conversation versus like leading with a product or your company or what y'all do. Um, it just, just leads to more organic, again, like I say, conversation, um, about sharing new information. Um, and, and that in and of itself, I think is, is a good use of their time, even though it is an interruption to their day. Um, they could learn mm -hmm. from their peers or even, you know, get better at that. We should share notes because it sounds like we're going in with the same, like the same approach, yeah. Jason. It's awesome. We have like a, a brainstorming collaboration call or something. Um, yeah. So, okay. So, so basically, because I'm thinking, I'm trying to put myself in the seat of an executive and executives love insight, you know? And I think that's where a lot of people drop the ball when they're prospecting is they go in with these features to a person that's pretty senior and they just don't care because they're not the person that would be using the tool. But if I'm a chief revenue officer or a, a VP of sales at a typical company I sell to, and you're talking about how people are taking a different spin on this retention of information, you know, that's, that's really compelling to me, you know, and I feel like I could learn something from you. It feels more consultative, you know, than just doing a product pitch. So what does, like, do you have kind of an example, like what would, what, what does this kind of sound like in action? If you were using it in an email or over the phone, like how do you, how do you kind of present this information? What does it sound like? What does it look like? That sort of thing. For sure. Um, so, so yeah. So like how you would hear it out in a live call, you know, you'd introduce yourself. Like I, we actually just did a training last week of like the structure of a cold call and like best practices there to get the team like practicing and, and brainstorming and like first start out with like your introduction. And then I like to say like acknowledging the interruption, right. And getting permission to tell, tell them the reason for your call. Right. And then once you get them saying, yes, all right, cool. I've got 49 seconds um, 
free to share that. Great. Then you can go into the reason. And so the reason for the call, um, I like to pair like a noticed statement, like what I like to call it. Mm -hmm. So it's something that you found in your research. Um, Maybe it's that they're hiring or that their team has grown 30% over the past six months. Um, So like having some sort of trigger that's relevant to the reason for your call um, for that uh, stat that we gave earlier about like over 80% of new information is forgotten in the first 90 days. I like to use that with like they're hiring new people, right? That's a potential risk if they hire these people and they don't have a plan to like reinforce the training with through coaching or through um, insights like our moments tool that I talked about, um, that's a potential gap that they could have. So I like to say like the reason for the call, um, I noticed that y'all are really doubling down on your team and, and growing. That's so exciting. Um, most, most sales enablement folks that I talk to, they're really concerned about, you know, the information that they're investing so much time and money on being forgotten in the first 90 days, right after training. So just curious, like, how are you ensuring that the sales reps are, you know, being coached on it and that they're practicing and that what you're training initially on is being reinforced so that they ramp faster? Um, So that could be a a potential way to just like start a conversation about their onboarding and and coaching and development of their salespeople. So let's backtrack because there's a lot to actually unpack there because you did the opposite of how most people cold call. Like when I listen to most people, it's, hey, how's it going? Good. Yeah. Well, anyways, I'm calling from Blissful Prospecting. We do this. And it's like immediate pitch. And a lot of reps that are used to that, what I experience when I train companies and work with these individuals is that it's really uncomfortable for them to not pitch, which is interesting because I bet for you, it's probably really uncomfortable for you to pitch at the beginning of a call. You're like, yucky, like I shouldn't be doing that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, Okay, so the beginning. So you leverage a permission-based opener. What's what styles of permission-based openers do you do you teach? What is What does that part sound like before we unpack the the next part? So, okay, so I have mixed feelings about this because especially since we sell to sales leaders, and they mm-hmm. listen to the same podcast that I do, and they're training their reps to do the same things probably that I that I am a lot of times in tech. And it's like, I think there's probably a, a time, there's there's like new ways to kind of like uh, approach that with like the, oh, do you have 44 seconds to, to tell you why I'm calling you? There's probably a lot of salespeople to, that, that do that already. So like, maybe that's getting stale, you know, maybe we find like a new way of, of doing that. But I do like a permission based opener, I try to encourage the team to get creative about like how they get that permission. So, you know, they're the sales leaders that are getting a million cold calls aren't just getting that same permission based opener all the time. So I don't yeah. know, I think that that they can get creative there. Yeah, I like that you encourage them to get creative because that's the double-edged sword in my experience of selling to salespeople is that, yeah, they understand and you understand them better because they're salespeople, but they also tend to have higher standards, especially if you're calling Absolutely. to help them sell better. <laughs> you know, um, There's one I want to share with you that Absolutely. one of my clients, one of their reps uses, and I thought it was really good. Instead of asking, you know, hey, did I catch you at a bad time? Uh, what they'll do is they'll just put a big old smile on their face. Hey, Maria, you know, Jason calling from Blissful Prospecting. I don't suppose I caught you at the worst possible time, did I? And you just wait. Amazing. And usually the prospect responds and they're like, yeah, you know, it's not a great time. 
okay, what's up? How can I help you? You know? Yeah. And then they usually go. And so I don't suppose I caught you at the worst possible time, that worst part. And I think putting a big smile on your face, like a lot of people will kind of, you know, chuckle, you know, when they get that. So from there, you got your permission-based opener. And then, so you insert, I love this, right? You insert your, the relevant part of it, the personalization, like mm -hmm. the trigger. The reason for my call is I noticed that you guys are hiring. And then it sounds like you just go straight for the jugular. <laughs> Next, it's like, I'm going to ask you a, a question around a problem you're probably, you know, having. And the question, is it open-ended on purpose too? It was a how or what based question, I think it was. Is it open-ended on purpose? And if so, can you tell me a little bit more about like if someone's trying to design a question, you know, like that, how do you think about what question to ask and how to ask it? Yeah, I think, and I think that there's like tone goes so much in into this. And it sounds like, you know, you just said that with like, you asked that question, a big smile on your face. So I think that like, th that's a big aspect of all of this too, even more so than like the actual specific words that you're saying, especially in a cold call mm -hmm. of if people will hear you out or not. Um, so yeah, you're right. I go straight for the problem. And I like to use that like humbling disclaimer, you know, that in the sales community we talk about. And I think that's just lowers people's guard a little bit too. Um, of like, hey, I get this as a cold call. I'm a stranger on the other end of this, but just curious, like, how are you all approaching this issue? Or is this something that you guys are facing too, or um something that you've thought about yet um for your onboarding program? So I think if you just like have some self-awareness there before you ask that question, if you feel a little bit uncomfortable, just going straight in for like a pain based question that that can help yeah. make you feel more comfortable. And then also like lower the guard of your, of the prospect by showing just some self-awareness. Yeah. Tell me more about that because that's the, I think that's the hardest part about this challenger style approach for a lot of people yeah. is it's really uncomfortable to challenge someone and to, I mean, you're kind of putting the prospect on the spot when you ask them a question like this in, in what I think is a very good way, especially an executive. Mm -hmm. But the tonality, like you said, is so, so important to where you're, you don't come off like really arrogant, you know, when you ask it. So yeah, yeah tell me more about, you said Absolutely. tonality. How do you think about delivering this in a way that's like disarming and allows the prospect to, to open up? Tell me, tell me a little bit more about the thinking, the tonality, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I think if, if you lead with like, hey, I speak with 30 sales leaders um, plus a month, and this is what they're telling me, it makes it more so like a, a systemic issue than like a they're in the wrong issue of like, why haven't they yeah. figured this out yet? But like, this is what I'm hearing from your peers. It makes them more likely to be like, yeah, I'm experiencing that too. And more like, open to being vulnerable and sharing that. Not everybody's going to be open and vulnerable to sharing a pain point, especially on a cold call. But I think um, leading with, hey, this is, I've been speaking with your peers. This is what they're telling me is a challenge for them. And that's where coming, like listening to your, your people on your team's cold calls and like using the same lingo that your prospects are using to like to talk about that pain. Like, don't just make that up. Like use real words that prospects are using on the phone in discovery calls or in cold calls where they're sharing these these problems that they're facing. So um so I think like that can again lower the guard. And then using I, I didn't 
coined this term, obviously, but like that humbling disclaimer, um, I'm not sure who did, but I think that that's really helped me ask those tough questions. Um, and even just like calling it out, just saying like, this feels a little bit invasive asking this question, but, and going into it, it almost gives you a yeah. little bit more permission to ask it. Um, and yeah. I think just, just knowing, just knowing that like, your the reasoning behind that question is kind of just like tough love versus like proving them wrong or like that they're doing something that that's yeah they could do being better. Yeah, I think that's a really good point there. The you know tough love versus proving them wrong thing. It's not like yeah. to be like oh gotcha. You know you don't got to get an answer for that. It's uh yeah the humbling disclaimers also for anyone listening that might not know what those are. It's essentially your it sounds like what you're doing is you're talking about you're kind of prefacing any nerves or anxiety that you feel or uh, discomfort that you feel in asking questions. You're just stating that before you ask it, you know? Yeah. So it has this weird kind of like almost double negative kind of thing. I don't know what it is. It feels like it cancels out the intensity of an intense question when you preface Absolutely. it with, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm a bit uncomfortable asking this cause I know it's kind of invasive, but and you just met me, <laughs> you know, you just met me in this, in, in 30 seconds, but uh, I want to ask you kind of a tough question. Yeah. You know, um, I love that. It's a really great tool to use in discovery too. So what about, well, I guess before we move on any other kind of tips, cold calling tips, I mean, this is kind of your thing you talk about a lot, any other things that you see people, you know, sort of messing up on or getting stuck with or any other, you know, kind of tips before we talk about you know, how this approach works through email? Yeah, I think the the biggest, my biggest piece of feedback when I listen to cold calls from the team or like other people in the community is, is just leading with product and features and what you do. You really need to just like flip that on its head and lead with insights, lead with problems, lead with what you're hearing. And it just makes that so much easier when you have some sort of trigger for the reason for your call that connects to it. So like being really just focused on your prospect and like not having the outcome of, okay, I need to book a meeting from this, but just legitimately having the outcome of like, I need to share something new. I need to make this a great experience. And, um, and it might not turn into a meeting and that's totally okay. So like the goal of this cold call should be to figure out, do they have a problem or, or opportunity that my company or I can help them with? Did they admit to that? And would that be worth a conversation for them? They're a busy executive, time is money. And like, is that next conversation a good use of their time and, and our time as well as, as a business? So, um, and it's okay if it's not. So you move on to the next call. Yeah. The conversational nature of it is, is, uh, I'm picking up from you, I think is so important, you know, where you, it just sounds less needy, you yeah. know? Um, and how do you, if you really, how have you coached? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no. And I'm saying if, if you really believe that's again, where it comes in, if you really believe in your company and like the, the product that your company is selling um, and you're passionate mm -hmm. about the problems that that product is addressing, then like you should just feel really confident picking up the phone onto the next one and, um, or connecting with people on LinkedIn and, or through email, whatever works. How do you think about call reluctance and how do you coach reps that are sort of apprehensive to pick up the phone or have a lot of anxiety cold calling people? 
Oh yeah. I mean, I've, I've definitely been there. Uh, I've made, I've learned all of these things because I was absolutely terrible at it. <laughs> and, you know, I think everyone has like a little bit of that fear, but, um, I actually learned from our CEO, Howard Brown, like in a, um, in a podcast episode he was on, he talked a lot about call reluctance and I learned a lot about it. Uh, he's, he's got a unique perspective because he's like a clinical psychologist. And so he just like really understands it. Um, but really I think diagnosing like where that fear comes from is really important. Um, and like, as Josh Braun says, who I'm a huge fan of, like detaching from the outcome. So like, I think a lot of people are fearful, one, because they're not prepared for that conversation. They don't know the problems that their, um, that their product is helping to address. They don't understand the world of, of their prospects or buyers that they're calling. So it makes it like, it makes it really difficult. I would be fearful too, in those cases in, in my career, but if you're prepared for the conversation, you have that specific reason why you're calling them, you understand their their world for the most part, you understand the problems that your product addresses, um, you should go in there with confidence. You're leading with insights. You're trying to help them um, and uh, uncover if there's a problem or opportunity. And so that should, you should go in super confident in that. I think also like cold calling pump up playlists really help. And um, pre-workout, yeah. sometimes I would do, <laughs> I would take my pre-workout before I'd make a bunch of dials. Um, oh, but <laughs> yeah, we go, we go hard uh, with that stuff. So, so yeah, I think that like all of those things combined can help with call reluctance, but I think you need to diagnose as like an individual where that fear comes from and then just not care. Realize, hey, like the best cold caller in my company is going to get hung up on sometimes. Sometimes like don't take it personally. Sometimes maybe their dog pooped on the floor right before you called or, you know, they, their baby is screaming and that's why they were mean to you. Yeah. Not, not because of who you are. Yeah. So I got to ask you, you said pump up playlist. Do you have a song or two that you, uh, that you go to when you uh, need to get pumped up? Yeah. So I'm going to be dating myself because this was like a really popular movie when I was like right out of college of project X I don't know if you've seen it yeah. before, um, but they have a playlist on Spotify that's like the Project X. Um, this playlist. is the one about the house party. The, yeah. the kids sit through the big house party. Yeah, okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yep. A lot of like Kid Cudi and um, like EDM music. Um, but that's what yeah. gets me pumped up. But but yeah, it's whatever you, you like to listen to to get like your pregame playlist. Yeah. So, yeah, that's interesting. I used to listen to it. I still listen to Kid Cudi, actually, but he was really popular in like 2010, 2011. Like that's when I graduated every college, from I feel like he. Yeah. OK. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Um, so cold email. How does this approach of, you know, kind of leading with insights, you know, pushing against the status quo? How do you think about this through email? How does this get executed in an email versus a cold call? Yeah, so I think. In the same way, which is which is hmm. also like pretty exciting is like once you've sort of mastered that like talk track over the phone, you can kind of just convert that into an email of, you know, leading with that, leading with your homework. What did you notice? Like what was that trigger event that made you want to specifically call them? Putting that in the first sentence and then talking about, you know, an insight that illuminates a, a, a potential problem and and you know, so that same, those same sort of talking points that you would use on a cold call, but really trying to make it the message succinct. 
use as little words as possible, um, focus on problems, and, and also focus on piquing their curiosity. So I think a lot of times um, the biggest mistakes I see in cold prospecting emails across the board are leading with what you do. It leads nothing for them to be curious about and for them to respond with. Um, and also it's like, you know, that less than 3% of the market that you're emailing is going to be in market looking for a solution. So I don't like those odds. You're going to have to just spray and pray with that sort of messaging. Yeah. So, so yeah, I would say just like emulate your talk track in the, in the cold call. What about, uh, you said keeping it short, concise, do you have any guidelines that you like to use around length of email or word count or number of lines or anything like that, that you like to use as guidelines? Yeah, I think, you know, you should be able, most of us are, are reading our emails from our cell phone. So I don't think that they should have mm -hmm. to scroll um, to read the entire message. I think the more that we can make communi communication look like a text message, um, the easier it yeah. is for them to respond. Yeah, there's a whole art to that that's I, I don't know do you find that with email like one thing i find that helps a lot is because people just struggle so much with email because i think that copywriting skills are not something that people have practiced as much as talking <laughs> you know what i mean and uh yeah. one thing i find is like if you just talk out loud what you think the email should sound like and then try to transcribe that as closely as possible which essentially is your approach. It sounds like, hey, what would you normally say in a cold call and you know, convert that into an email? I don't want to gloss over the nuance of like how effective you know, that is because that's not how most people approach email. They sit there and they just like Absolutely. write something and they don't think about how they would talk at it, like even literally like physically talking it out loud as you're writing it to, to hear how it sounds is a really effective technique. Absolutely, Jason. Like, I think if there's probably one takeaway from this entire episode of the podcast, it's exactly what you just said. So, like, write your email, whatever, and then try to say it out loud and, like, question the meaning of every single word in that email of, like, okay, is this adding to the message that I want to get across in this email, number one? And number two, like, is this are these words that I would say when talking to a peer? And if not, find a more simple way of saying it. Um, or a more conversational way of saying it. I think that like in school, you know, we were taught our SAT words and like we write these super long essays and papers and things. And like, that's how we're taught to write. And I, I think it almost does this a little bit of a disservice uh, in, in sales, especially because we need to be writing at like a fifth grade reading level. So it's just like easily yep. digestible. Um, and yeah, if, if you wouldn't say the word talking to a peer, take it out, find a, a simpler way to say it. Any other last uh, kind of pieces of advice, anything that we didn't talk about you feel like is really important with this, you know, kind of pushing against the status quo theme, kind of very challenger style approach, anything that we didn't talk about you think would be good for people to know? Yeah, I think I would just reiterate of, you know, in, instead of spending so much time, like thinking about your product and the features and what it does, like spend more of that time, that development time, learning about your prospect, learning where they learn, being part of those communities that they're a part of, like on Slack and just getting a, a better understanding of their world. And that will do you so much better than just like learning every intricacy of, of your product, especially like on the SDR side. Yeah. Love it. 
All right. It's time for rapid fire questions. You ready? Oh, yeah. I'm ready. All right. So if you had to choose between phone, email, or social, what do you pick and why? I hate to say, but social, um, just because you can oh, really? just start some more like meaningful conversations, like with context and there's less people doing it. So, you know, less competition to, to stand out from the crowd. What's something you believe about sales that most would disagree with? Okay. Contrary to my answer to the following question, cold calling is not dead. And that you can be extremely effective just pounding the phones. Where do you think that comes from? Like, what's the the cold calling is dead thing? Where do you think that comes from? People that lead with product and features on cold calls that are, it's ineffective, so they yeah. say it's dead. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Message, not the medium. Um, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give yourself as a rookie sales professional? I think that, you know, I wish when I was a rookie sales professional that I would have reached out to more people, like just connected with peers from other companies to try to learn what they were doing and, and see what they were doing differently, what was working, not working with them. Um, I'm not sure that it existed when I was like brand new to sales, but I wish I would have had access to that because I've learned so much from just like from peers uh, from other companies too. And then the second piece of that is just to like, embrace a little bit more of who I am, um, that like, the things that make me unique, the things that make me quirky, maybe even some of the things that aren't my strengths, um, and, and use that in being just more real with, with prospects on the phone. I think that like, that was like something that I struggled with early on was, um, you know, my filler words. And obviously those are things that you can work on, but I think just the things that make you different also, make sales fun and make your prospects, you know, build relationship with you and know that you're a real human being versus a robot. So that's something I would have wished I, I would have embraced more when I was younger. Yeah. Is there a, is there anything that comes to mind for you, like over your sales career that you've really started to embrace that maybe you weren't comfortable with as a rookie salesperson? I think just like being goofy. Um, I, I t said yeah. like, I said earlier, like the, your prospect, you know, that you're cold calling might be mean to you because their dog pooped on the floor. I mean, like, obviously you want to keep it professional. Um, but I think just like speaking to them like a peer and like being quirky and your own self, like it is huge. And I was, I was super like guarded with that, with my personal life and yeah. with, um, like just being goofy. Cause I, I, in an effort to be more professional, I think I'm just more open and confident in my own skin now, even like the weird things. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah. It's tough because it feels like it's a risk, you know, like I deal with that a lot. I know with my content, whether or not to say or do things that I would that are just me, you know, <laughs> versus feeling I know, like I have to put a filter. It's scary. You know? Yeah. It's scary, but then um, I think it can be huge. You know, it can be huge for yeah. um, actually building real relationships. No, absolutely. There's, there's just something that's really awesome about authenticity. You know, I think that, that most people appreciate. Um, absolutely. Well, thanks for checking out the blissful prospecting podcast. Make sure to subscribe on, you know, Spotify, 
Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to, to podcasts. But before you take off, Maria, uh, this has been great. Where's the best place to connect with you, follow your work, check out more about revenue, all that good stuff? Absolutely. Um, connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, send me messages like let's collaborate and talk. Um, book meetings with my SDR team. They're awesome and working super hard. So like if any of that is interesting around coaching, um, definitely reach out. I'm excited to talk to you.